Good morning, church. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you so much for being here in some amazing ways as you are here in this sanctuary with those of us who are recording this and you are in the homes of everybody there. Uh, that's what makes you so unbelievable amazing, Lord, and we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that as we move into this new uh, journey through the book of Acts, that your Holy Spirit would be with us. Help us, Father, to really, truly understand what it meant to be a movement. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, her name was, or at least we called her Pocahontas. That really wasn't her name. She was this really big, strong, all-American high school girl soccer player that played for the other team. And as she played, uh, there were always articles about her because she was that good. She played for Bronxville, and I coached a team in Blindbrook High School. Yes, that's what the name of the high school was. In Blindbrook High School, as we uh, were preparing for the Bronxville team, we knew we were going to lose because they had Pocahontas on the team. And as we began to prepare, I said, you know, we're going to put three, four girls on her at all times. No matter what we're going to do, we're going to do whatever we have to, to stop this girl from scoring, to stop her from making plays. And so we kept at it and kept at it. First half, we did okay. She only scored three goals. The second half, she scored five goals and set up two more goals. Bronxville was relentless. They had no sense of, oh, let's take it easy on them. We obviously lost that game really, really bad. Pocahontas was unstoppable until the last game of the season when she broke her leg. I don't know if you've ever considered things that may seem unstoppable. Uh, we've just heard about a volcano that may seem unstoppable, but in the end, it's stoppable. Some of you as parents may think kids crying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? On a long trip may seem unstoppable, but it's not. Some of us have weeds growing every year and we say these are unstoppable. That comes pretty close, but you can kill those weeds. They're stoppable. Some of us may be thinking right now, COVID-19, is this virus stoppable? And I could tell you one day it will be stoppable. Although they may seem unstoppable, eventually every one of these things on earth are stoppable. By definition, if something is unstoppable, that means that it cannot be stopped. I know that sounds very profound, but I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And what is unstoppable is God's love towards us. He'll never stop loving us. It's unstoppable. He'll never stop pursuing us. He'll never stop inviting us. He'll never stop extending forgiveness to us, extending salvation to us. Never, 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 never. God's love is unstoppable. And did you know that there was one thing, this side of heaven, that involved you and me, and still does, that God ordained to be unstoppable, and that is his church, that through us, he would love those around us. Through us, he would pursue those around us. Through us, 
He would invite those around us and extend salvation to those around us. The church was meant to be an unstoppable force. In the Greek New Testament, the word church really is ecclesia. Ecclesia means a people called out to move the good news. A people called out to move the good news of Jesus Christ. The danger of the church in every age is to cease be being a movement and instead becoming an agent that at best provides services to people or worse, simply a place to attend. Or for some, an event to just kind of sit through. The word church has really changed a lot through the years, but it was never meant to be that way. We will discover that church was meant to be a movement. As we explore the book of Acts, and that's why it's called the book of Acts, because Acts trump everything. The book of Acts of the apostles, we will discover a movement unleashed with a promise of power, unleashed a purpose, and unleashed a plan. A power, a purpose, and a plan. You may want to write that down because we're going to check that out as we move forward together. But sadly, as the church grew, it became more and more established. The more established, the more institutionalized. And the more institutionalized the movement got, the more it fortified itself. The more it became committed to preserving itself in well-established routines. It was no longer a movement. In fact, 2,000 years later, to be honest with you, if Jesus would look at the church today, many churches, today he would say, the church is stagnant. It is not moving. Jesus' words recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he says these words, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Think about that. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Not not the, not the soldiers of hell, but the gates of hell. That means that the church is on the attack. And the gates of hell are trying to hold us back. That was the meaning that Jesus had. And what he is saying is, hey, look, we need to be on the attack, not on the defense. The church was always to be on the attack. The book of Acts is about the church on the attack, the church on the move. Let me read you the verses that we're going to look at Today, I'm going to read them all together right now, and then, then we'll take them a little bit at a time, piecemeal. I'm reading from the message, because I just love the way Peterson puts this. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Dear Theophilus, there's a baby name for you. Dear Theophilus, in the first volume of this book, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until he said goodbye to the apostles, the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit and was taken up to heaven. And this is the apostle Luke or the, the disciple Luke that wrote the book of Luke and then writes the book of Acts as kind of a follow 
kind of like chapter 2 of the story of Jesus and his followers. Luke, if you might remember, was the doctor that went with Paul all over as the church was a movement. After his death, chapter 1 continues, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face meetings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. As they met and ate meals together, I love this, by the way. I just got to put this in here because I love this about Jesus. This is Jesus resurrected in his glorious body. Now he's spending 40 days appearing to his disciples, and he meets with them. And not only does he meet with them, but he is breaking bread with them. They're having meals together. They're socializing together. This is an awesome point that we can easily miss. He says, uh, in those face-to-face -face meetings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the Father promised, the promise you heard from me. John baptized in water. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and soon. Verse 6 continues, when they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? And he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. These were his last words. And it says, as they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud, and they stood there staring in the same empty sky. And suddenly two men appeared in white robes, and they said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking at an empty sky? This very Jesus, who was taken up from among you to heaven, will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. I love this. What we're going to discover together is that the acts of the apostles were the acts of Jesus. The acts of the apostles is about a church in total movement through the promised Holy Spirit. He starts off by saying, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye. So listen carefully. It says that what Jesus did for those three years that he was on earth was just the beginning. That's what he began to do, he says. The ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit were to continue this. Jesus' ministry on earth was only the beginning. His most impactful work started when he left. And it started with a handful of disciples and believers that loved Jesus Christ, that had seen him, and that were willing to die for the cause. The disciples, and by extension, we, have been chosen through the Holy Spirit for God to move profoundly and powerfully through us, 
chosen. I love that word. I don't know how many of you have ever been uh, on the sideline waiting to be chosen to be on the team, hoping that the captain would choose you. I remember Brianna, when she was growing up, just from, from the moment she could hear my voice, I began to repeat this line to her over and over again. And when she was little, she loved it. I would say to her, Brianna, if I were to line up all the little girls in the world and I would have to choose one, you would be the one I choose. You would be the one I choose. And she'd say, oh, daddy, you know. And then as she got a little older and as a teenager, she didn't really want to hear it. In fact, especially when I would say it in front of her friends, oh, Brianna, especially when she had her friends over, I'd love to do this, embarrass her. Oh, Brianna, if I were to line up all the little girls in the world, and she, oh, yeah, I know that, I know, no, you choose me, I get it, I get it, I get it. And I kept saying it. And she's now in her 30s. And I said it to her just the other night. I texted it to her. I said, Brianna, if I were to line up all the daughters in the world, you would be the one I choose. I love you. And she responded, good. You don't really have a lot of options, Dad. You are the only, I'm the only daughter you have. I believe God didn't have a lot of options either. Why? Because his love is unstoppable. He chose us. I believe that God wanted to pursue us. I believe that God wanted to impact us. God wanted to partner with us as he gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could work together with him to do this amazing work. He says to them, do not leave Jerusalem until you received the promised power. Do not leave Jerusalem. I've just been talking about how the church is a movement, and the first thing that Jesus says to them is, do not leave Jerusalem. Stay put. Oh, wait a minute, I thought you said it was a movement. Stay put. Stay put until the Holy Spirit comes. <clears throat> Stay put. Because it's not a movement until the Holy Spirit comes. Are you catching this? This is really important. In fact, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, same author, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, it says this, what comes next, this is Jesus speaking, what comes next is very important. You know, when Jesus says what comes next is very important, it's like, okay, well, i got to stand up, i got to pay attention here. This is really important. This is going to be on the test. What comes next is very important. I am sending what my Father promised to you, so stay here in the city until he arrives. Until, check this out, I love this language, you're equipped with power from on high. Power, that word dunamen, which is where we get the word dynamite from. Power, baptized with the Holy Spirit, baptized with power. Wait for him. Under no circumstances move without him. Some of us right now are in lockdown. And, and we're sitting here wondering, are we ever going to get out? Are we ever going to be able to have life as it was before? Well, here's the, I want to give you a new thought here. Take advantage of this lockdown. Take advantage of this stay at home right now and say, I am not in lockdown because of the mandate. I am locked down because I am waiting on the Holy Spirit. I am 
staying at home, not because of the mandate. I am staying at home because I want the Holy Spirit to overcome, to come and get me, to, to, to protect me, to empower me, so that I can then one day, when I leave this house, when I leave this building, can have the power to do what Christ has asked me to do, so that we as a church can be a movement again. I remember when I was a little boy, I don't know, I was always a little dyslexic or had ADD. I always had things happening where I never paid attention to things. Uh, and, and I missed a bus. And I was just at home. I mean, I was at the school crying and went to the office and the secretary and said, I, I missed the bus. And she said, okay, well, just stay right here. Let's call your mom. So we called my mom. My mom said, okay, listen, you stay right there. Do not try to walk home. You stay right there until Sal comes to get you. There were some pretty rough neighborhoods we would have to go through. And so she wanted to protect me. And she said, under no circumstances should you leave that place. And I remember waiting there, and I was scared. I was, I was really kind of worried. And I waited there probably about an hour. I could tell that the uh, secretary was getting a little antsy because she wanted to go home too. And then I saw my brother Sal pull up in his car. And I remember feeling this great feeling of, yes, now I have power. Now I don't have to walk home. Now I don't have to worry about the neighborhood. Now I can do what I've been asked to do, and that is to go home with Sal. Can I just be honest with you? We are powerless without the Holy Spirit. I cringe when I think about my early days of ministry. Some of you may be able to understand this. I am um, getting a little vulnerable with you. I'm one of these guys that, that, that can play music. I can talk. I'm pretty social with people. I'm a relational kind of person. And for the first few years of ministry, I was basically gliding on my skill set. But here's what I found out. One day, the wilderness days come. One day, I am no longer able to go on my skill set alone. I remember there were times when all of a sudden my preaching was without power. My, my ability to, to connect with people was without power. I remember thinking, my life is losing purpose. Am I, why am I even a pastor? What am I doing here? I remember talking to fellow pastors and people that, that I really uh, looked up to. And I remember feeling like, maybe I, sh maybe I should have never done this. There was months of this, months of this, until finally I remember getting home and I remember reading a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. If you want to read a book that's going to ignite you, read that book. I remember reading that book, and I remember reading these amazing things that he would say, and I, I'm just going to end up paraphrasing it, but it, it was something like that, that he would regret if he would ever live the rest of his life without the power 
in fire of the Holy Spirit. I remember feeling that way. And I remember getting on my knees and I spent, oh, I don't know, probably a, about four or five days just praying and crying and asking God. I remember walking uh, for, for long walks in the woods and just praying and asking God, please, Father, please. And I can't do this on my skill alone. I need the Holy Spirit. Please, Father, give me the Holy Spirit. And so I waited, and I prayed, and I waited some more, and I prayed some more, and finally acknowledging my need and inviting the Holy Spirit to come upon me. Things began to change. My heart began to change. My life began to change. There's a story about a famous organist who was playing a huge recital these are the days when the organs were hand-pumped. There was a little boy that was sitting in the back having to hand-pump the organ so that the music can come out. And the people were just loving this, and they were applauding, and they were giving him standing ovation, song after song, as the organist kept playing. I mean, it was wonderful and beautiful, and the kid is just pumping and pumping and pumping. And then at one point, the kid just kind of looks over at the organist and says, we're doing pretty good, aren't we? We're doing pretty good. And the organist looks at him and says, we? What do you mean, we? And he kept playing. And he gets to one point where the crescendo was really big. And this was the classic moment right here. Climatic moment. And suddenly as he hits the keys, nothing comes out. And so he begins to pull out all the stops and trying to figure out what is going on here. And he can't get anything coming out of his organ. And suddenly the little boy peeps his little head to the side. Now you know what I mean by we? I don't know about you. But I think sometimes we don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our skills can only take us so far. And if you feel empty inside and you're trying to play, but you feel like no one hears your music, and maybe it's time to stop. Maybe it's time to wait for him. Do not take another step until the Holy Spirit fills you with his awesome wind. We need the Spirit to do more than visit our lives. Jesus called it being baptized by the Spirit. We need to be drenched in the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to absorb him like a, like a sponge until he occupies every fiber of our being. Have you experienced this yet? Until he settles there and ignites our life. And if your life doesn't seem to be ignited, maybe it's perhaps because we, you've done really good on your own skill set, but maybe now it's time to say, hey, God, I need you. I need supernatural. I need the Holy Spirit. I mean, God is waiting for that. Well, the story continues. It says when they were together for the last time, they asked. This always amazes me. Master, three and a half years, experienced his death, his resurrection, and they still didn't get it. Listen to what they say. Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? The kingdom of Israel? What? Are you still worried about the kingdom of Israel? I mean, what is wrong with them? What is wrong with us? What is wrong with me? Why are we always focused on the wrong thing? 
I love what Jesus says. You don't get to know the time. I love that. It's, have you ever had somebody say, that's above my pay grade? <laughs> that's what Jesus is saying. You don't get to know the time. That's way above your pay grade. What is it about us? We want to know when and where and how. We want to control everything. Maybe what God is saying is let go of control. You don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. Catch this. What you get is the Holy Spirit. That's power. What you do is you get to be my witnesses. That's purpose. And what you do is you get to be first in Jerusalem, then move out, and then the ends of the earth. That's the plan. Power, purpose, plan. Power, purpose, plan. We got to follow God because he knows what he's doing. What we focus on determines our commitment to our mission. In essence, Jesus was saying, it's not for you to know, it's, it's for you to be. What we need to do is to be spirit-filled, to be witnesses, to be in Jerusalem, and then move out to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. That's the plan. See, the principle that we're going to find out all throughout the book of Acts, I won't spend too much time here because this goes on and on all throughout the book of Acts is that Jesus is saying is, look, you want to be effective in ministry. First of all, make sure you have the Holy Spirit. Second of all, start from where you are and then move to where he leads, to the ends of the earth. You know, Jesus was thinking about me when he said that. He was thinking about you. You are the ends of the earth. You are. Today, 2,000 years later, somehow this powerful Holy Spirit was able to take a hold of this raggedy band of, of disciples, this motley crew of people, and somehow turned them into this powerful, powerful, impactful, profoundly impactful movement. And that is what he is hoping that we would be. And I believe that we need to catch a hold of this Holy Spirit. There has never been a more critical assignment to the ends of the earth. There has never been a more critical assignment given to a less qualified group of people. But God doesn't call the qualified. Through the Holy Spirit, he qualifies the called. Did you catch that? God doesn't call the qualified, but through the Holy Spirit, he qualifies the called. Verses 9 through 11, it says, these were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up, disappeared in a cloud, and they stood there, staring into the empty sky. Suddenly, two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at an empty, empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. I got to admit, when I came across this, this passage, I felt a little, it's like a little unfair. I don't know about you, but I think 
if I was there and I see Jesus being beamed up into the sky, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be looking up and going, man, I mean, I'd want to see until, until the, becomes a dot and the dot disappears. I'd be watching there. I thought, why? These guys have the right to stargaze for a minute or two, considering the magnitude of the moment. I'd be doing the same thing. I think you would be too. But in the same breath, the angel reminds them of the urgency of their task. And I think it would be good for us as we close to be reminded of that urgency. Jesus is coming again. There is an imminent need for you to be his witnesses. So get your head out of the clouds and go and wait for the Holy Spirit and he will teach you how to wait for Jesus' return. Don't worry about when. Worry about being. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So church, strap on your seatbelts because we're about to be unleashed. In the words of C.S. Lewis, Aslan is on the move. Lord, thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive us for the times that we have not taken advantage of that power. Please teach us as we go through the book of Acts how we can how we can take a hold of that Holy Spirit, how we can allow him to penetrate our lives and be drenched and be baptized by him so that when this is all over and we come together again as a gathering, as the called out people, we would truly be, truly a movement. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us would consider this and be ready and get ready. Stay, do not move until the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful Sabbath, church. God bless you.